Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pipples podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. That's the Johnny McKegg band with Here We Go. We are the Piffles Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. The one, as always, as Kurt Angle says, doesn't suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. My name is Alex. And I... What the hell was that? Well, it's the 35th anniversary. You rickrolled everybody on the 35th anniversary. That's a fantastic song, though. I can't be mad. It's a banger. I love that song. That might be a top 10 song of all time. I'm dead serious about that. It's a great song, and I just just love the fact that its entire rise in popularity came from YouTube just absolutely just trashing everybody on April Fool's Day, and now it's become a thing that he has completely owned. So good on Rickass. Maybe, maybe we should do that. Go on YouTube and trash everything. Maybe we'll become popular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. Anyway, you can give us a follow on Twitter at PifflesPod. You can give me a follow at RealAlexD. And for one week and one week alone, thanks to my coming out of Twitter jail, I will allow Twitter follows. Uh, what? Oh, sorry, pit, pity follows for one week and one week alone. That's it. Wow. Uh, I'm celebrating. Get them in now. Of course, uh, Steve isn't here this week. He has uh, rambunctious kids, apparently. Uh, but you can give him a... Yeah, what have kids uh, ever done for anybody? I don't know. I should probably tell my mom I love her. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can give him a follow at Safamod there as well. Piffles Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Check them out. Uh, let's get to it. Time for the opening kickoff. Okay, I do have to say, Greg, we kind of look like fools right now to start the show because I'm not talking physically. I mean, we do, but that's not the point here. Um, This is why we don't go on YouTube. No. (laughs) Um, We didn't do an enemy preview last week because we weren't sure if that game was going to happen. And the way things were trending, it didn't look like it was going to. It got pushed back one day. Of course, the game ended up being on Sunday and fair it was the argos versus some team that wore the riders uniforms yeah that was not uh that was not the saskatchewan rough riders that we should be expecting week in week out i gotta admit though the crowd showed up like just because the team wasn't there the crowd still showed up so i think that was that was probably the best crowd in a couple years i think honestly probably since labor day for sure last by far the loudest crowd this past season definitely so I'm awesome. actually, we're, we're actually going to talk about Sunday afternoon games uh, coming up a little bit later because I want to get into that with, with Thursday games. But to this game itself, Riders losing 31-21, dropping the record to 4-3. and three. The defense held in really, really well that game, I thought, considering that was a patchwork defense. Um, they were missing 
bunch of guys in the secondary, the linebackers that were there, but this was a roster decimated by COVID and some injuries and of course suspensions to to players. So I thought all in all, as much as a win would have been nice, they held in pretty well. And I think that bodes well for this team going forward in the future here. And as much as I hate to say it, mortal victories don't count on the in the standings, but the riders have nothing to hang their heads on. Yeah, a loss is a loss, and losing to the East is never good, especially in the competitive West. But when you're literally rolling out, like signing guys that week to make sure you have a roster, you have no backup receivers, you and like no depth on your defense. The guys in the fourth quarter were gassed. Plain and yep. simple, they were they were done. So the fact that the Riders held on for three quarters and had a decent shot of winning that game tells you this team actually has quite a bit of depth or has some put some serious question marks on what Toronto actually has. Well, I mean, it was tied all the way up until the end there, and, and they had the they had the lead going into the fourth, which I was not expecting. Going into that game, I was just thinking, well, this is just going to be a loss. It's not going to be a blowout, but it's not going to be particularly that close either. And they did really well. Um, Charleston, since we're talking about the defense a little bit, Charleston Hughes was, uh, back to his old form, which I think, uh, we needed in that game, which the team needed and they got it. And it really begs the question now, can you take him off the roster now? I, with the I, game that he had, because you know, he was taking, he was a healthy scratch for the last couple of games because, oh, they need more help on special teams. And that's not something that he can offer find somebody else because you cannot keep this guy off the roster. And, and I know he played most of the game, but even if it's a rotational thing, if it's, it's, if it's a full game, they need to have Hughes on the field. I love watching that man play as much as I hated watching him play when he was wearing red, he has the most fun out there, no matter what he does. He is so fun to watch and what a stupid role. Like if, if we want to get rid of one rule in the CFL, can we get that? That is the most obscure rule I've ever heard of in my life. If he just yeah, would have soccer kicked the ball it, by batting it, but you can kick it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he could kick it to himself, but, the, but okay. So here's the thing. He obviously batted that to himself. He, he just made sure that uh, McLeod couldn't get it. So what happens if he actually attempted to pick it up with two, two hands and dropped it? Would that have stopped it? Like it is such a obscure borderline judgment call. It is. It just baffles me, but uh, it was fun watching him on the field again. And yeah. How do you keep him off? Like, who do you replace him with? That's I think at the end of the day, the decision is either him or Keon Adams, but Adams play special teams. Well, I got to find somebody else that can play specials in the meantime, that's already on the roster because you cannot take this guy off, especially with AC Leonard on the, on the injured list. And who knows what else is going to happen this season with the riders fortune that they've had over the last month, basically. But um, that was a fantastic play by Hughes. Brilliant in the moment, just to bat the ball forward. I mean, you're taught basically just jump on the ball, just jump on the ball, just get possession. And I thought it was a brilliant move. And then of course, when it was overturned, it's like, Oh yeah, you can't actually do that, but Oh, well, um, Jake Dolagala, his first start. What were your thought, overall impressions of him in that in that game? You could tell early in the game he had the butterflies. A lot of those throws were 
At least the good news is he sailed them out of bounds, but <laughs> there was no one catching those things. Like, dude's got a cannon, but he was just having trouble finding his accuracy at the beginning of the game. He, he looked like he was starting to settle in, but I think he, I think by his own admission, he didn't have the game he wanted to have. But I, I think you got some talent there. I think that that's something you can develop. Would I want him be the start of the rest of the year? Hell no. But I think you got something you can work with there. And the dude's six, seven, like he can look over any defender that he wants. I was really impressed with him. Um, and it was more so combined with the offensive line because pass protection, they gave him a lot of time. Mm-hmm. They gave him way more than Cody Fajardo has gotten over the last year and a half. He had time. And when he had time to actually go deep, he was making a lot of throws. The issue was he wasn't making a lot of the shorter ones. And in that offense, shorter throws are a big, big part of that offense with Jason Moss. And once they actually seem to almost let him, I don't want to say freelance, but once they kind of just let him go and, and move to page two of the playbook, that's when they started moving the ball. Yeah, Sandlot football there for a little bit. Yeah, and, and it was working. And the help of the run game disappeared. I don't know what they did there. I know Toronto's defense played the, played the run really well. SB, no catches. But that, yeah. that, that Dalla Gala uh, Jones connection, that is, you, that is, you can, that is you, awesome. That's money. I love that thing. You, you can tell they were, they've been practicing together all season on the, on the PR because that connection was there. Tevin Jones, why Jacob Prawl was getting starts. I have no idea. Cut the guy now. Just let him go. The guy was useless before he's useless. Now, Tevin Jones, we've been saying since training camp, with his pedigree coming from the NFL with the Jacksonville Jaguars, he probably should have been given a roster spot over Jacob Prawl, in my opinion. This just cemented it to me. Get rid of Jacob Prawl. He's, I, he's... I, 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 I'm starting to agree with you. I have no idea what Prawl does. Like, obviously, he must do something right in practices. But Jones looks so much more polished. Every time Jones like, got the ball, um, not even this game, in previous games, he looks more aware of what to do with it. Prawl is, I don't know what, what's going on with him. And uh, the Mario Alford <laughs> game, peaks and valleys big time. Had the highest of highs with the returned uh, missed field goal for a touchdown. Oh, which what was what was Dinwiddie thinking? Beating be, like, can shake an extra point, and they put him out there for what a sixty-four yarder, six sixty-one, which would have been a career long. And it was really funny because Dave Naylor was going off on that, saying, "Yeah, it's a career long. You know why? Because he's never made one before." So why are you putting them out there for it? It made, like, it made no sense. It no, because when he and I'm like, there's no way they're going. For, they're they're going to try to make the riders jump. Like that, that, that's the only w- what reason why they're lining up on the field goal. And then they actually went for it, and I'm like, well, that's short. And Alford's got a big lane to the right if he can get over there. And yeah, yeah, once he got that, once he got that edge, uh, he had the blockers in place, and obviously took it to the to the house to end the half, which was all the momentum that they needed because there was really nothing going on on offense in that whole entire first half. Once they got that there, going to the half with the lead, that was when it was like, oh, yep, okay, here we go. This is actually a game. This is going to be close all the way to the end. But that's why you don't go for long field goals like that because if you miss, those guys aren't made to get up and go go tackle a kick, a kick return. Like, you're – like, it's not like punt coverage, like, I, I can't like I don't know what Dan what he was thinking. That was the dumbest play I've ever seen. 
there's one kicker in this league that I would put out there for a 61 yarder. One. And he's here in here Saskatchewan. Brett Lothar. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about the uh, top, one of the top 50 players in this league that doesn't kick over 40 yards. No, we don't talk about him here. He's like he's like the Bruno of CFL kickers. We don't talk about Renee. Doesn't have the same ring to it. No, it doesn't really, but yeah. no, and then, well, yeah, no, Lothar. Yeah, Lothar, I definitely 60 plus, but anyone else, that, that BD, like I said, he was having trouble kicking extra points this year. And yeah. get your quarterback that has the biggest arm, let him chuck up a Hail Mary at that point. And of course, the lowest of lows with the fumble at the end of the game, trying to make too much happen. I'm not going to. I'm not going to knock him too for much that. for that because he tried to make something happen with the time that was on the clock. Like, yeah, you need the yards. I mean, he probably should have been told. Maybe he was told. Who knows? But just go forward as much as you can and just go down to save the clock. But he's a kick returner. Kick returners don't do that. They try to make something happen. You ever see Dante Hall surrounded by four Denver Broncos players tr- just go down? No, he tries to make something happen and then takes it all the way to the house. That's what Mario Alford was doing. So I'm not going to rag him up on him there. That's literally his job is to do that. So, but at that just, point, it was unfortunate with the fumbles, but at, at that point he had to break it because he already killed like 10 seconds off the clock. Yeah. So <laughs> he was already in over his, uh, he was already past his uh, go down point. So he had to break it at that point. And unfortunately yeah, they just popped the ball loose. And that was the game 31, 21, but a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. It was, uh, you mentioned it, the whole team, the defense especially, was just gassed at the end. And that was Toronto putting together long drives in the fourth quarter to to take the lead, to come back and tie it and then take the lead. And that was that was the difference, was was that fourth quarter. And it was the it was the gas. That's all it was. That was the difference in that game. That depth chart was so empty. It was like, I'm looking at it. When you when you have your backup quarterback as a game time decision, I was like, "What are you going to do? Like, if he can't go, like you're just going to sign Carter Schuchuk from the Thunder because Thunder camps in right now, so you know he's actually throwing the ball." Like, Noah was, Picton, I guess. Yeah, bring it. Well, is he throwing the ball? Who is it? Uh, uh, Donald Josh Donnelly, the Rams, yeah. U of R Rams well, quarterback. He was in. He was in training camp. A, well, but okay, car. but would that would that would that mess with his uh, CIS eligibility? Uh, sorry, U Sports eligibility. Oh, probably. That's a good. Uh, maybe, maybe. I don't know cool. how it works with emergencies like that. But. Yeah, like yeah. Is there such thing as an e buck? E buck. I don't know how you say that. E buck. Yeah, I don't know. EQB. You yeah. should. Yeah. It would. It would have been perfect actually here against Toronto because uh, Toronto sports teams always seems to they, lose to emergency backups. <laughs> yeah. Um. So four and three, of course, all three losses coming to Eastern teams, the only West team to lose to an East team, which is, I don't want to say devastating, but uh, this was the soft part of this, of the Riders schedule, the first six, seven games and to come out four and three. Now, again, with all the injuries and suspensions and, and COVID, I'd take it, but not the best. Four, fourth in the West is still going to be better than first in the East. I still stand by that. So I'm, it is what it is at this point. You just need right now, the riders need to worry about getting everyone healthy and make the playoffs. That's all they need to do. And they still got a puncher's chance of playing here at the great cup. And uh, speaking of healthy, we got to talk about the quarterback, Cordy Fajardo mentioned on a 
he was out with uh, the knee injury, COVID from this game. And first day back for practice this week against BC, let it slip. He had a torn MCL, which they retracted it and said it's actually not a torn ligament. It's just ligament damage, which means it's a torn ligament. I, I like to get our Simpsons reference out early here. Uh, I would like to reference a Mr. Seymour Skinner when he said, uh, no, it was uh, Lisa S. Uh, no, 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 that's too obvious. Uh, L. Simpson, yes, that's what it is. Like, just say, like, we know, we know his knee's screwed. Just say what it is and rest him. Let, let him, like, don't even start him this week. I'm, I'm already getting to that point. Like, don't start him this week. See what Dalagala's got. If fine's good to go, maybe try him out. But there's no sense playing Cody this week when you rest him last week, rest him this week, got the bye week, get him healthy before the rest of the season, please. Well, in your month of August, I guess, with this last game in July here, it's still a little bit softer than the rest of the season that you have starting in September. So you have BC three times, you had Edmonton once, and you have a bye week. So rest Cody this week before the bye. Get him a couple weeks there, and then you go into Edmonton the following week, which I don't think you'd need Cody Fajardo to win that game. I think your defense is going to be good enough to, to win that game for you, as long as you don't turn the ball over with Fine or Dolagala, whoever ends up starting. But keep Cody out for there, and maybe he could be ready for the back-to-back BC games in August. That's what they should really be going for, in my mind. Definitely. like This team is only going to do, unless... Dollar dollar fine pulls a Cody Fajardo and comes out of nowhere while the starting quarterback is injured. Like Cody Fajardo is this team's best chance to win. So we need him healthy for the stretch. Like I said, all the writers need to do is make the playoffs and they could, with this defense, they can make some noise. So keep him healthy, do enough to make the playoffs and they should be fine. Of course the riders bringing back running back Shaq Cooper was with the, uh, with the team into training camp was one of the cuts there. Um, Frankie Hickson, obviously out still for this game against BC. So Shaq Cooper is going to be the backup running back for this game from the looks of it. And I think that's, I mean, it's almost a no brainer move at this point to just bring in a guy that you had for a few weeks earlier in the year knows a bit of the playbook and knows a bit of the playbook and, and he doesn't have to play a whole bunch. It's just basically come in to give Jamal Moore a rest and take a couple carries or some pass protection, which he's done before. So it's not that big of a play special teams. Big of a thing there. So yeah, play special teams. <laughs> I mean, this is a guy who could return as well too. So who knows? Um, but bringing back Shaq Cooper with uh, Frankie Hickson likely out for this game against the BC lions there's the opening kickoff presented by kathy festion of royal apadrejana realty let's get to our churchill brewing company odds and end zones where we take a little bit of a look around the cfl and vernon adams jr got placed on the one game injured list by montreal will not play against uh who they're playing hamilton um it's happening isn't it that trade that trade that we saw and on victor Cree's uh uh Tweet that Steve Tinfoil Steve believes was uh, not an accident, uh, but Gary Stern's agenda for the day. Is that trade coming? It ha- like it has to. I'm sorry. They're paying him. Montreal Alouettes are paying him too much money to sit on the bench. It's obvious he's not Machocha's guy. They need to move him. I don't know where he's going, though, unless it's here because Cody's knees is terrible. Because it looks like 
Taylor Cornelius might not actually be that bad. So I don't know if Jones really wants a so-called quarterback controversy right now. I think we're going to see once, once the Riders depth chart comes out on Thursday for this game against BC, once we see that, and it depends on where Cody is, is he on the one game? Is he on the six game? Is he starting? We don't know. Uh, he was taking all the number one reps on Tuesday. Wednesday was the closed practice. So we're not exactly sure. We'll find out on Thursday. But I think it's one of those that if they hold him out and the knee is actually as bad as it sounds like it could be, then I think they pull the trigger. I think it's just like, you know, they it's, it's calling Montreal and saying, just put him on the injured list. Don't get him hurt in case he has to go in for whatever reason in this game. Because we might need him and make that trade on Monday morning or whatever, whenever they want to do it Sunday. Doesn't matter. I think it, um, and then, I think the time it makes sense for the writers too. If you're going to trade for a quarterback, you trade for him in your bye week, so you yep, can get him so you, as soon as possible. Absolutely. So I don't see who else would be going after Vernon Adams at this point in the season. Um, I just I just don't see who'd be going after him. Like I said, at this point, it's us or the Elks, and I don't see the Elks doing it right now. No, no. They have their Vernon Adams type player in Trey Ford, so they'll wait till he gets back from the injured list to play that type of uh, type of an offense. But they're perfectly fine with Taylor Cornelius. Chris Jones seems to really like him, so they'll just roll with him for a little while. So we might see a Vernon Adams trade early next week, late this week. Who's wearing three right now? <laughs> Nick Marshall. All right. So, yeah, he's definitely not getting three back. Eight? Because last, last time fun. the writer, last time the writers traded for uh, Burton Adams, they gave the gave him a, a guy's number, Ricky Collins Jr. Before they traded Ricky Collins Jr. <laughs> Does that mean Mason finds getting traded back the other way? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Um, yeah, so we'll see if that happens uh, this week. The Calgary Stampeders going through a bit of a COVID outbreak themselves with pneumonia. Somebody on their team has pneumonia. Yeah, which pneumonia. Is weird, but which is, which is Alberta for COVID. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it sounds like it's uh, happening in the CFL again. So we'll see what uh, what comes out of that. Of course, that big game Calgary against Winnipeg on Saturday night. Um, but I want to talk about Thursday and Sunday games. Let's go back to the Ryder game and just talk about that Sunday 5 p.m. game. Now, once NFL starts, nope, I don't want that. I don't want any Sunday games. Nope. I know there's going to nope. be the odd one or two. And nope, don't want them. Because I'm that's my NFL day. You you now, might get away, you might be able to get away with a holiday weekend like Thanksgiving weekend where people aren't in a rush to get back yeah. to whatever. But yeah, no, not every Sunday. That is definitely NFL Sunday, unfortunately. But in the summer, especially here in Saskatchewan, it makes a lot of sense. Don't give me a Thursday game. Don't give me a Friday night game, especially for out of towners. If you're gonna do a Saturday or Saturday at five o'clock, well, you're Basically, you can't go to the lake or you're like, you're not going to drive back and forth hours and hours and hours just to go to a game on Saturday afternoon. But on Sunday afternoon at five is brilliant because a lot of people will come back from the lake for that game. And really, it makes sense. Mosaic Stadium is the biggest church in Saskatchewan because all I hear is people either uh, praying or saying, oh, God, a lot. (laughs) So... There was two Thursday games last week, which the first game was great. The second game was a bore fest with BC Hamilton. 
I fell asleep during that game, but that was also a 8 p.m. Saskatchewan start. Don't give us a late game on Thursday like that. Thursday That's ridiculous. If, they're dumb. We, we the, talked about if, it. They're dumb. If the Friday is a stat holiday, then sure. Okay, that's fine. But if it's not, then it makes no sense to me whatsoever. So do a game on Sunday in the summer while it, while it can work. And the numbers showed, like the, the attendance in Saskatchewan, wasn't. it was 27,000 sold. They're saying there was about 21 or 22,000 there. It seems like more. Like, it seems like a lot of people were there. I thought, yeah, just by just the eyeball test, it seemed like there's a lot more people there, but maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm used to seeing small crowds and them announcing bigger ones, but it seemed like there's a lot of people there at kickoff. And it was the family game. So there's lots of, uh, lots of families there. And if you do Sunday afternoon games, maybe you'll have more families just in general going to games as opposed to Friday nights or Saturday nights when lots of people are out partying at games and then things can get a little unruly in the stands at times. So maybe this is a better family option. So I wonder if the riders are going to be looking at this when the next schedule for next year comes out and, and cause every team puts in dates and, and requests and whatnot. I wonder if that's something that Craig Reynolds will do for on behalf of the riders saying, Hey, you know what? That actually worked out really well for us. Maybe in the summer only, Maybe we could have one or two of them. It doesn't have I to def- be all. I of definitely. Them I don't know if I was hyper aware to it, but I definitely saw a lot of kids at this game, which was awesome to see. It was. It was, it was pretty. It was pretty cool to see. But at the same time, they didn't run out of slime. I thought the that the rider slime would be gone because I I arrived just before kickoff, just because my kids were taking a little longer to get ready. So I thought they they still had like bags and bags and bags of rider slime. So I, I wonder what the hell, what happened to all that. What was it? The first five thousand. Something like that. I think there's yeah. 5,000 kids. And uh, actually this game against BC, the country roots night, which uh, we called before the season started that Jess Moskaluk was going to be performing at halftime. No, um, they would like that. They wouldn't do that, <laughs> but they're doing a uh, little cowboy bandanas, um, little rider ones for the first 10,000 people. So at least there's some giveaways there, which is kind of nice because they normally don't do anything like that. So get the slime the one week and you get the little bandana the next week, little things like that. That matters to people. Shoelace. Yes. I, we joke about that actually on my pair of runners right now. I I do actually need new shoelaces. So I would actually welcome a shoelace right now, preferably two of them, but I would like to see more Sunday afternoon games because I thought that was, that was great. Oh yeah. No, it was, it was great. Like I said, it was a fun game uh, considering, and like, especially when you knew what the, game was going into it with all the starters out being shorthanded like i expected the crowd to be absolutely decimated but to see that many people there and to be loud like that like i said it was one of the loudest crowds i can remember uh, well definitely this season and i maybe the playoff game last year but like it was awesome it was awesome to see well, that's the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. Let's take a look at our enemy preview. Riders against the BC Lions Friday night, Mosaic Stadium, 7 p.m. Friday night games are always fantastic. Um, game against the Lions. Is this the first major test for the Riders this year? And that's, I guess, including their roster being decimated? Because now they're going up against a team that, I mean, they're fighting for position with a team that's only lost once and only lost to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Lions are good, man. Like they're really good. I expect Nathan Rourke's second start at Mosaic to be a lot different than his first start at Mosaic. Um, 
I just hope our defense can keep up because you got Lucky Whitehead, you got Burnham. Um, James Butler is showing he can be a very formidable formidable back in this league. I'm they, they got a good offense, but then again, when you've got when you're paying so little on a quarterback, you can put some nice pieces around them. And their O-line is doing a very good job in BC. That was a problem for them the last couple of years. Same thing here in Saskatchewan, but what they've done out there, uh, <laughs> they've done a lot more than Jeremy O'Day to, uh, to upgrade the biggest need that they have. And, and they've done a fantastic job. Rorick is leading the league in touchdown passes, thrown a lot of interceptions the last couple of games, but they're still, they're still winning. So th- th- this is going to be a tough one for the riders, especially on offense or especially on defense for the riders going to go up against that BC offense, lucky whitehead, Brian, Bur- I don't think Brian Burnham is back for this one yet. Oh, he's, yeah, um, he's got, sorry, yeah, yeah. But Dominic Rimes has looked pretty good. Oh, Javon Katoy's having a really good season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keon Hatcher's kind of coming out of nowhere to be one of the league leaders in, in receiving yards. James Butler, like you mentioned like this, that's a good offense. And Nathan Rourke is, he's been the best quarterback this year in the CFL. And I don't think there's any debate on that. He's been the best. So he's going to be their the nominee for a Canadian outstanding player and rookie. Oh, you know, yeah. he's always rookie last year. No, yeah. not a rookie. Yeah. Sorry. But still he's uh, this kid's looking like the real deal, which is great for the league. Um, but who knows what the rider defense is going to look like with all the, the uh, COVID going around on the, on the team still and injuries and suspensions and et cetera, et cetera, all that kind of stuff. So I think it'll be a tough test for the defense, but as long as those linebackers are healthy and you have Sankey, Moncrief, and uh, Larry Dean, who's been fantastic all They're, year. All three of them are beasts. Like, just insanely yeah. good. You have those guys, you have a chance. If the D-line can get any sort of pressure, if Charleston Hughes, uh, whether he's starting or whether he's rotational. Christmas had a good game. Brown had a good game. Like, our, our DTs are nothing to cough at. Either. Lanier was... Lanier is playing a lot of uh, inside as well. Yeah, I'm not too worried about the defensive line just yet, but if they can get a little bit more pressure than they did against Toronto, uh, more consistent pressure anyway, that'll that'll be fine. And and they've shown this defensive backfield that they can they can kind of handle things. So if Amari Henderson's back, then that'll shore things up with uh, Clark. Jeremy Clark doesn't get talked about enough in the oh, media. Oh, he does not. You guys. Cool had a fantastic start to his career. Of course, came to the team a little bit later last season, ended up getting almost surprise starts um, towards the end and just flat out earned a job, earned a starting spot. And he did it again in training camp. And he's been fantastic. He hasn't been really beat that badly by any means. And I think he's been arguably the Riders' best defensive player. Oh, he's been great. Like, well, it's between him and Milligan. Like it is, like our like our defense keeps on bringing out just amazing players out of nowhere. It seems, and that's probably why we're hanging in so well, and that's why Shivers looks so good. Is because I don't know if it's his scheme or if it's the athletes that we're getting. Our defense, top to bottom, I'd put him up against anybody. And I'm really intrigued to see the offense in this game because there's going to be more changes. We'll start with the offensive line. Logan Bandy going to be out. So all of a sudden, the team needs a new center. Logan Ferland's moving there. And Josiah St. John, who's coming off a six-game injury list, uh, he's going to start at left guard from the looks of it. So 
I'm, I'm curious as to how that is going to affect things, how that's going to hold up. Um, I'm scared. We're not big Josiah St. John fans, no. but his value to the team right now is pretty high because he can play tackle. Not well, but wow. he can play tackle. And guard, he, he, right? he, he can line up as a tackle. Yeah, but so, I mean, they keep bringing him back for whatever reason. So obviously they like something about him. And he's a giant dude with a passport. I, I guess so. Yeah. So we'll see how that. Where's Simba? Let's, let's bring back Simba. Oh, I, I don't know what to make of this old line, but come on. They, they brought back, they, they brought in the Lion King cam. Let's bring back Simba. Yeah. But they did hold up pretty well last week uh, for Dola Gala. So we'll see what happens there. The receivers will be upgraded because Duke Williams is going to be back. Not sure about uh, Mitch Pigton, uh, if it's going to be him or Amelis getting the start for the second Canadian. I can't see Keen Schaefer-Baker having another offer by any means. And if you can get to a point where you're not starting Mario Alford as a, as a receiver as well, too, then they'll be fine. you got to find a way to keep Tevin Jones in there. So if you have Duke, Tevin Jones, KSB, Amelis, that's not a bad starting four, all things considering with the injuries to Shaq Evans and Kyron Moore. Yeah, no. Like, yeah, we haven't even kind of more in our offense yet. Like, this is like, we got a lot of talent, just not enough spots and not enough. Oh, we got plenty of room on our, our, on our injury list as proven by the giant list that comes out every week now. Stupid COVID. <laughs> so we'll see how that happens. And uh, of course, the big question is who will start a quarterback, which we'll find out on Thursday when the depth chart comes out. Who should start a quarterback? Not Cody. I don't care who, just not Cody. Don't even think about it. One so game, it, so one game. I don't care. So is it fine who didn't get the number one reps on Tuesday, which I mean, he might have on Wednesday. Who knows? Because that was the close practice. Or do you go with Dola Gala, who yeah, is your third string, but got all the number one reps last week. Didn't look too bad. Maybe you give him some more reps this week. I think you go with Dola Gala. I really do. Fine still coming off of I'm assuming COVID is what the reason why he was out. I I think you got to roll Dolagala one more week. Get in the bye week, get everyone healthy, come out of the bye week, and then go from there. I, I don't know why you need to rush fine out there. I don't know why you need to put Cody out there. I think Dolagala is the answer. I'm with you. I'd start Dolagala. I'd give him all the reps that you possibly can. You gave him all the reps last week because Mason Fine had COVID and couldn't get it. So at this point, I'd get, the, I'd give the ball to the guy who played last week and just create that continuity on offense with Tevin Jones, with uh, Keen Schaefer-Baker, with the running backs. Just keep that for one more week until you hit the bye week. To me, it's a no-brainer. I think you have to go with Dolagala again. But We'll see what happens. So depth chart will come out on Thursday and we'll uh, probably be wrong on it. And it's going to be Cody at the top of the, of the list, which to both of us is not the right answer, but if he's your number one and he says he's good to go, then you play him, I guess. Well, it's uh, right now, to... right now his knee is both trustworthy as Andrew Harris's chin strap. <laughs> there were, what was that? Four plays in a row. It came off at one point in the fourth quarter. I don't know. It's just, it just like every time he t- took the ball, his helmet went like 10 yards further than he did. 
I think it was four times. I couldn't believe how many times, like two times. Okay. Three. <laughs> oh, hey, let's, you know, buckle that thing in there four times. Oh my God. Like, geez. At, at some and, point, the officials need to send you, send him off to get his helmet looked at. Cause <laughs> like, I'm sorry. He's, he's Andrew Harris. He just hit 10,000 yards. He takes a helmet. If he takes a helmet to the temple, like, that, that replay is going to live on for in, in infamy. Yeah. Like uh, at, at some point, I, that has to get fixed. We'll say congrats to Andrew Harris, though. I know people in Saskatchewan hate him for the for the drug test and whatnot and not proving his supplement tainted sample or whatever. Uh, but fourth all time in scrimmage yards in CFL history. I mean, and that's maybe- impressive. But the, what's funny about that to me is uh, when you look at the scrimmage yards, how far ahead the other guys are. Oh, yeah. And then like rushing yards. So Andrew Harris passing or g- g- passing 10,000 scrim- or rushing yards. And you look at Mike Pringle, you look at George Reed, who have 16,000. So you'd have to have Andrew Harris would have to have another six very solid seasons to come close to those guys, which is insane yeah. because Andrew Harris plays in a, in a league where there's six, 18 games where George Reed played a lot of seasons where there was only 16 games. Yeah. But on some really bad teams too. <laughs> but the good news is like the good thing about I can't believe I'm actually going to compliment Andrew Harris. Guy was not expected to be a star in this league. He came out of junior football out of the Vancouver Island Raiders system out of Winnipeg. He was a territorial guy. Yeah, he was signed as a territorial guy for That was BC. it. That was it. Like that, that's where you pick up offensive linemen, Dan Clark, Logan Ferland. Like, you do not pick up a skilled, and I'm using quotation marks because I hate it, player. And he is going to go down in the Canadian Hall of Fame as one of the all-time greats in this league. Like him or hate him, controversy or not, or, hate, or not. Um, dude, the dude earned everything he got. So, legally or not, I don't know, but I've got my opinion. It'll just put the asterisk beside yeah. it. <laughs> uh, that's enough, Andrew Harris. Love here on the Pitfalls Podcast. Uh, let's get to our. Uh, Never again. I feel for, dirty. Yeah, pick them for this week. Thursday, one game every single day on the weekend. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, spacing them out, which is kind of nice. Friday, uh, thir- Thursday, Hamilton, home to Montreal. Oh, this one's tougher than I thought it was going to be. Hamilton at home? Yeah, I'm taking Hamilton. I just don't trust Trevor Harris. I don't trust a Danny Machocha like team. I, I think I've made my yeah. I think I made my opinion clear on Danny Machocha. Uh Friday night BC here in Saskatchewan. Uh, Steve's not here, so I gotta be King Homer. I'm gonna take the Riders. I want to. I really do. I just have this weird feeling that they're gonna keep it close and and maybe the defense scores again and whatnot, but I don't know. It depends who starts. If if I, there's so there's so many question marks on this team right now, it's hard yeah. to just make a decision right now. I get it, but I'm I'm gonna take Saskatchewan. You know, we're we not got Jess Moskaloop, right? like cheap wine, cigarettes. It, it's gonna be fine. Like it's, yeah, we're not keeping track, right? I'm not keeping track over here. I don't know if you guys. I'm are. not. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm taking the Riders. Um, to me, again, the game of the week. Winnipeg and Calgary in the rematch from two weeks ago in Calgary. Stadium fire. 
both nope. teams lose. Uh, and everyone gets out of the stadium safely and the game gets canceled and never to be heard of again. Um, <sighs> I hate picking Calgary, but I really want to see Winnipeg lose. This is where I'm at right now. Uh, I think Winnipeg's going to go and clean their clock, to be honest. See, I'm thinking the opposite. Winnipeg's missing a lot on offense. Craig Ellingson's out. He's out, yeah. He's out. That other receiver that out of nowhere had 100 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, He's out. I'm blanking on his name right now. No, he's still in. No, Schoen's playing. Schoen's been fantastic. He's been great. What a find for the Bombers. And he, um, he no. was he was cheap and fancy at one point. He ain't going to be anymore. Uh he's still actually on the lower end. Affordable. I think he's he's still affordable, I guess. Yeah. Five thousand or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe actually, I will take Calgary. I will take Calgary at home. I just think that just with the offense being out there, there's uh, Carlton Agudozi. That's who I'm thinking of. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, he's out as well too. So Calgary, I know they're battling their little COVID outbreak as well too. Um, but I think this is the one. This is the one that everyone says Winnipeg's so beatable. This will be the time that they actually are are beaten. And I think Calgary wins this one. And finally, on Sunday, Ottawa at Toronto. Ottawa's so bad. I Toronto's not good either, but I'm going to take Toronto. Uh, it'll be a close one because neither these teams are good, but Toronto's better. So I'll, I'll go with the Argos on this one. I never realized how bad La Police's record is as a coach. Like, maybe I just got too much respect for the man, but I thought it was a lot better than it is. Was it three and 24, three and 21? Something uh, as, yeah, as the, yeah. But even, even all time, as, even as the Winnipeg, like as a head coach, it's bad. It's like 40 losses and, and like maybe 18 wins. Yeah. This is, he's, he's starting to go down as a guy who's great coordinator, but absolutely god-awful head coach now obviously with ottawa here last year that was a bad bad roster mm-hmm. so i won't blame him too much for that because he got no help whatsoever on that roster and this year there was a lot of turnover a lot of turnover on that team there had to be they, they won I, free agency i hate yeah, when people say that it, it, it doesn't matter remember who won free agency in 2016 this oh right by far by far how they how they start Exactly. Uh, Sean Lennon made it a half before they had to trade him. Yeah. They were one in 10 to start the season in 2016. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, it takes a while to get new guys together and, and gelling. And I said that before the season, this is going to be a team that yes, they'll keep things close, but they're not going to win a lot of games because it'll take them a while to go ahead and, and, figure it out and that's exactly what's happening and it doesn't help now that they're starting quarterbacks out for probably the year so but depends on who starts for them too like they might be going with nick arbuckle they might go with caleb evans with the game caleb evans had last week against montreal i don't see a way that you can sit him this week he was fantastic which is even even funnier because you got to think that la police got rid of arbuckle because he didn't want him (laughs) they had to trade for him anyway okay after La Police wanted to bring him in the first place, after they made the trade to get him from uh, from Calgary, <laughs> yeah, then they got rid of him, and it's like, what? Yeah. What a disaster! Yeah. Well, I think that does it for us this week here on the Piffles Podcast. Of course, Piffles Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks go out to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making this show possible. 
Piffles Podcast is a proud member of the CFPN Canadian Football Podcast Network. And as always, we do not suck. Thank you, Kurt Angle, as well. That's never going to get old to me. No, it won't. This is Tyler Gilbert's Ghost Behind Your Mind. Never going to give, never going to give, give you a... The ghost behind your mind, always.